Think you know the Brooks Ghost? Think again. Introducing the all-new, better-than-ever Ghost 16. Now with nitrogen-infused cushioning for lightweight, supreme softness that feels good every step, every street, every single day. So go ahead, take your daily joyride in the all-new nitrogen-infused Ghost 16. It'll turn your everyday miles into everyday endorphins. Let's run there. Head to brooksrunning.com to learn more. It is Friday, September 9th. This is the College Football Daily. I'm your host, Lance Glenn. Before we start, I want to remind everyone that if you're watching on YouTube, make sure to like this video and subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel. And if you're listening as a podcast, remember to give us a five-star rating and a review. On today's episode, I'll be joined by 24-7 Sports College Football Analyst Brad Crawford to discuss the quarterback competitions to watch entering week two. A few teams are starting different quarterbacks this week than they did in week one, and a few have some young freshmen itching to get on the field more and more. Brad and I will hit on those in just a little bit, but before we do, I want to quickly run through what I think are the four biggest games of a week two that doesn't have maybe as many high-profile games as week one, but still a lot of great games to watch nonetheless. Let's start with Tennessee and Pitt at 3.30 Eastern, a rematch of last year's 41-34 Pitt win in Knoxville. This year, the game takes place in Acrisure Stadium, formerly Heinz Field in Pittsburgh. I believe the spread currently sits right now with the Vols at six and a half point favorites. It's a top 25 matchup with Tennessee sitting at 24 and Pitt at 17. And to me, there's a lot Pitt can obviously take away from last year's game, having played against in that game, both Joe Milton and Hendon Hooker. Not that they'll see Joe Milton most likely this week, but having played against them both, they have experience with really the entire Tennessee quarterback room. And the fact that both coordinators are still in place for the Vols and Tim Banks running the defense and Alex Golesh running the offense. On the other hand, how much can Tennessee really learn from last year's game with all the changes that Pitt has gone through this offseason? In my opinion, not much, right? And that's, I think, an advantage for, for Pat Narduzzi's squad. A new OC in Frank Signetti, a new quarterback in Keaton Slovis, the two leading receivers for the Panthers in that game last year in Knoxville, Taysier Mack and Jordan Addison, both are gone. Mack to the NFL and Addison to USC. But even with the advantage of familiarity, I'm going to pick the Vols to win a high scoring game, and I'm going to take them as well to cover that six and a half point spread. All right, next we head to the Swamp for another top 25 matchup as number 12 Florida coming off a huge win against Utah and Billy Napier's debut takes on number 20 Kentucky, who's also at 1-0 and at 7 p.m. Eastern in this game. They beat Miami of Ohio last week. I can't wait to see what Anthony Richardson does for an encore personally. You know, I can't wait to see him potentially light it up against Kentucky like he did against the Utes. He threw for 170 yards and ran for 106 yards and three touchdowns. And of course, made so many highlight real plays, especially on the two-point conversion that they just keep showing over and over again. It's a battle of two quarterbacks that could both see themselves picked early in the 2023 NFL draft. So while, look, all the talk this week has been centered around Anthony Richardson and his you know real debut, I guess, although he played a lot last year, you'd think this is like his real debut against Utah. Let's not forget that Will Levis is one of the best quarterbacks in the country. And when you look at resumes, he's certainly more proven than Anthony Richardson is heading into this game. You know, in this series, Florida is 20 and two. That's right, 20 and two since 2000, although the two teams have split the last four. So it's been pretty even uh, over the last four years. 
Florida, you got to remember, though, also hasn't lost two straight to Kentucky since 1976-1977. So you got to think, how much does history matter? The game is in the swamp, and we saw the impact the Florida crowd made against Utah. The Gators are currently five-point favorites. I think Florida wins, and I think Florida covers as well. So two games left before we talk with Brad about the Week 2 quarterback competitions. Let's go to Provo, Utah for a third top 25 matchup. BYU at home against Baylor. 10-15 Eastern in this game. Baylor at 9, BYU at 21. A rematch from last year's game that took place in Waco was a 38-24 Baylor win. And frankly, it wasn't even as close as that, right? BYU scored a late touchdown to make it a two-score loss. In that game, Jaron Hall got sacked five times. Baylor had seven tackles for loss. BYU and Tyler Algier, they only averaged 2.8 yards per carry. The BYU offensive line, they got pushed around last year. I know Kalani Sataki took that to heart and is going to do everything he can to make sure that doesn't happen this season. There will be a great atmosphere for a night game at Lavelle Edwards Stadium. I know it's a big recruiting opportunity for the Cougars as well. But while I don't think Baylor will be as dominant this season as they were last year against BYU, I like the Bears to go to Provo and win outright. So last one, and it's obviously the marquee game of week two, Texas welcomes number one Alabama in a rematch of the 2010 BCS National Championship that we, of course, all remember so well was the end that Colt McCoy got hurt. Alabama ran really all over Texas. Mark Ingram and Trent Richardson both had big big games. The Tide beat the Longhorns. And since then, the two programs have gone in very different directions. Texas hasn't won a Big 12 championship since. Alabama, on the other hand, beating Texas was the first title for Nick Saban in Tuscaloosa. They have won five more since, so six in total. I actually took Alabama three weeks ago when the line first opened, right? They grabbed them as 16-point favorites at the time. Today, I think they said as 20-point favorites, so the line has moved considerably. I kind of look smart for taking them as 16-point favorites, but even as 20-point favorites, if I were to take them today, I think Texas isn't far enough in their rebuild yet to compete with the Tide, so give me Alabama to win and cover that 20-point spread. So to recap the four games, Tennessee, Pitt, Kentucky, Florida, BYU and Baylor, and Alabama and Texas, these great games are among the many that should make for a very entertaining week too. So we're going to take a quick break, and on the other side, we're going to welcome in Brad Crawford. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda, you never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need a fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. So joined now by 24-7 sports college football analyst Brad Crawford. And Brad, we're going to look at some of the most intriguing quarterback battles heading into week two. Now, full disclosure, before we start, two of these aren't as much battles as they are highly touted freshmen that I'm sure the respective fan bases want to see more of. So take that for what it's worth. But let's start with one that is a true battle, and that's at Michigan between Cade McNamara, who started last week for the Wolverines in their win against Colorado State, and J.J. McCarthy, who will start this week against Hawaii. Jim Harbaugh mentioned 
mentioned before the season that McNamara would start week one, McCarthy week two, and then going into week three, they will name a starter and a backup. So all eyes will be on the big house to see how the former five-star manages the offense. So Brad, I'd love to hear your thoughts on Jim Harbaugh's unique way of deciding his starting quarterback. And while we haven't seen him play yet against Hawaii, which guy do you think Harbaugh should ultimately go with for game three and presumably beyond? Yeah, to answer the first part of your question here, to me, Michigan has a legitimate dilemma at this position because on one hand, the sample size with Cade McNamara is vast. I mean, this guy beat Ohio State last season, won a Big Ten championship, led this team to its first college football playoff berth. And then you have the former elite quarterback recruit in McCarthy, who's fast, can make things happen outside of the pocket. And players seem to really, you know, flock to him, be energized in the huddle when he's on the field, especially during last week's win when he came in in the second half. But in Jim Hart, Ball's defense. I think he's sort of played this quarterback competition as best as he can, given the circumstances. You know, he named McNamara the starter after spring. And the, the reason that, you know, he he didn't name McNamara the starter and he was giving McCarthy a chance because one, it was a bit unfair to just call him QB1 after spring practice because McCarthy didn't throw. He had that shoulder injury. And then he would have, you know, run the risk of a portal situation had he you know, given the hat to Cade McNamara. So Michigan's quarterback room has immense depth. I think Michigan can win with either guy. But to get back to the second part of your question, judging from the tape, it's obvious to me that J.J. McCarthy is the best option who's, you know, opposing defenses have to prepare more for. So McCarthy is the home run threat. McNamara's kind of steady Eddie. I think McCarthy's the guy moving forward after week two. Yeah, it's kind of one of those scenarios where you have to juggle. Is the higher ceiling worth the lower floor? Because with McCarthy, you probably have that higher ceiling, but you have, like you said, that steady Eddie and McNamara. So his floor might be a little bit higher than McCarthy, who could be more of a boom or bust, especially since this would be the first time he's taking over as the clear-cut starting quarterback. So next, we move on to one of those freshmen that the fan base want to see more of, and that's Drew Eller and Penn State. You know, Sean Clifford, the current starter, is in his final season, a sixth-year guy. He led a great drive to help the Nittany Lions get by Purdue last week in West Lafayette. But, and I think most Penn State fans will agree, Sean Clifford is what he is at, at this point. You know, he, he has sort of hit his ceiling with Penn State. Drew Aller actually came in against Purdue. It wasn't for mop-up duty, but it was to relieve Sean Clifford when he had to leave the game for a short time. And he looked pretty poised and showed off that great arm talent of his. He was, of course, 24-7 sports top quarterback in the 2022 class. So how would you play this, Brad? You know, Drew Aller is obviously the future at Penn State. Do we, you think, need to see more of him as the weeks progress? Or do you think James Franklin should stay with Sean Clifford? Because maybe right now he gives them the best chance to win. Yeah, Penn State... Penn State's in a really good spot right here. I mean, to me, it's like an NFL-type situation. You have your veteran in Sean Clifford, who's been with the franchise, you know, as a franchise quarterback for what feels like forever now. And then you have your recent five-star draft pick, right, Drew Ayler. So he throws the football with noticeable zip. I think he played a couple of series against Purdue and, and really threw it well to the second level of that defense. I think everybody was pretty impressed with that performance in West Lafayette, even though he didn't get a ton of snaps. I don't think there's a controversy right now in Happy Valley, but with that being said, if things started going bad for Sean Clifford this season and giveaway issues that he's had in the past have started to kind of reoccur, I think James Franklin would have no problem, you know, giving this rookie more snaps behind him. Quarterback, in my opinion, however, is not an issue right now at Penn State. No, it's certainly not. And, and we know that Penn State can win games 
games with Sean Clifford. But like you said, those turnovers, especially at crucial times, like we saw against Purdue, uh, could definitely come into play later on in the season uh, when Penn State plays the Ohio States, the Michigans, the Minnesotas, the Michigan States in games that the margin for error is very obviously small in. So another freshman that maybe the fan base wants to see more of in a relief role or as the starter potentially is Clemson quarterback Cade Klubnick. Now they played Georgia Tech Monday night. They won big. And DJ Uyangle, he played well. You know, he was not helped a lot by the weapons around him, but he looked better in this first game than he did last season. I think Clemson receivers had about six drops. So catch, let's say four of those and his stats would look a lot better uh, than they ended up being. But Cade Klubnick came in towards the end of the game. He went four for six for 49 yards through a touchdown. He looked good. And I mentioned Aller was our top ranked quarterback in 2022. Cade Klubnick was number two. The comparisons of Kelly Bryant transitioning to Trevor Lawrence were there this offseason with the DJ eventually giving way to Klubnick. But how would you balance this if you were Dabo Sweeney? Since like Penn State with Aller, Klubnick is the future at Clemson. If I'm a Clemson fan right now, I'm sort of banging my head against the wall knowing that these offensive struggles that persisted and plagued this team all of last season seem to be a reoccurring nightmare, right? Now, I don't think all this blame goes to DJ Uyunglele either. You know, we know that he regressed as a sophomore, first year as a starter last fall. And then that first quarter against Georgia Tech earlier this week was not a good look for him. But the former five-star settled down, like you said, really made some nice throws in the second half, had a couple big drops, had probably a 20-yard completion to Bo Collins right over his shoulder that he, you know, dropped out of bounds at the right sideline. Would have been a really good uh, completion there from DJU. But the bigger issue for me right now is it's alarming that Clemson has an overall lack of playmakers offensively. I think the Tigers gave Will Shipley, what, 10 or 11 total touches in the game? I think 11 touches as a whole. I mean, Joseph Nagata... A, a former elite-level recruit, just has not panned out at Clemson. He's a senior now, had had one catch for seven yards. So there wasn't a ton of push up front either by that you know Nula Clemson O-line. So I don't think the quarterback position right now is Dabo Sweeney's only worry offensively. And this comes from, from somebody who you know picked Clemson to be the number four seed in the playoff. Clemson offense as a whole, definitely uh, something to worry about if you are a Clemson fan. You pick Clemson. I actually picked NC State. I, I, you're some of your, uh, your, are you, your, are you your NC, right now after picking. NC it's State tough, man. Playoff. It's tough. Look, they they survived, right? It's like that old uh, that old saying in the NCAA tournament: you survive in advance. You survive week one against ECU, which we always knew was going to be a close game for NC State. You survive in advance, and you move on. For all we know, they could you know win their next three games by thirty points each, and we'll look back at that week one game and say it was week one. It happens. Uh, but last one to look at, the last quarterback competition to look at, we head to Oxford, Mississippi, and Ole Miss is doing what Michigan is doing. They started USC transfer Jackson Dart in game one, a 28-10 to win over Troy. And in week two, they're starting Luke Altmeyer, who played well in last year's Sugar Bowl. So again, we have a changing of the QBs from week to week for Lane Kiffin's squad. What do you think of his decision to give each one a start, especially since you'd think Dart was brought in as a pretty highly ranked transfer to be the guy for the Rebels. So the fact that there's a quarterback competition is kind of surprising. Yeah, Jackson Dart didn't look all that comfortable to me. I mean, I, I I watched some of that game against Troy, first half especially, and maybe that's to be expected with a whole bunch of new weapons out of the portal. You know, Dart's not the only newcomer there in Oxford, and it being his first game at Ole Miss, he just didn't seem to have a camaraderie yet with his teammates. But I'm going to say this. 
for a lot of teams right now battling quarterback issues, you know, a preseason game or a scrimmage in college football would really help. I think Shane Beamer has alluded to it. Lane Kiffin has mentioned it. Other coaches have. You can kind of try some things in the preseason, right? And you don't have to worry about snaps and and all that jazz against live defenses. So I think it's good news right now for Ole Miss that the Rebels have three more games until SEC play begins against Kentucky. So you can kind of give it a whirl with Jackson Dart, Luke Altmaier, who's going to start this weekend's game and sort of see what happens. So the Rebels ran it 44 times Saturday, and that's a product, in my opinion, of not being all that confident yet in the passing game. Yeah, and you could do that when you have a running back like Zach Evans. When you have someone who can sure. who can take the ball and, and run like he does, obviously you have the luxury of being able to run it 40 plus times, but it's just crazy to see we're here in week two and some big time programs are still trying to figure out their quarterback situations. Two competitions to watch at Michigan and Ole Miss, two quarterbacks that I'm, that I'm sure fans want to see more of at Penn State and Clemson. Brad, these are only some of the many storylines surrounding week two. I'm sure it'll be another fun slate of games. I know we both can't wait to watch. Thanks so much for hopping on with me. Really appreciate it. No problem at all. Thanks for the invite. So remember to like this video and subscribe to the 24-7 Sports YouTube channel and give the College Football Daily a five-star rating and a review on Apple Podcasts. For Brad Crawford, I am Lance Glenn. Thanks so much for tuning into the College Football Daily and enjoy the second week of the season. Survivor 46 is here, and so is On Fire, the only official Survivor podcast, and we have a twist this season. The winner of Survivor 45, D. Vyadaris, will be joining us every week. We're going behind the scenes of the biggest moments, the how and the why things happen, and the strategy and analysis you can only get from someone like me, a Survivor winner. Listen to On Fire, the official Survivor podcast, wherever you get your podcasts.